Today in Parent Time, we talk bugs and beetles, banjos and hobos as we chat to the magical mind behind Casper Baby Pants, Chris Ballou on Benny Asking People Questions. Okay, so if you were to take convention, fold it up neatly and place it respectfully in a box and bury it deep in the back of your garden to be totally ignored and proceeded to write music for children, one would imagine you may land somewhere in the playground of my next guest. His intricate weaving of impossible topics and prolific output make him one of the most unexpected gems in early childhood music today. I'm speaking, of course, about Chris Ballou, or as he is more widely known, Casper Baby Pants. And he joins me here today. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How you been? You well? Yeah, I'm fantastic. I am, uh, what am I doing? I'm finishing up an album that's coming out in September. I've finished all the recording. I'm just doing the uh, cover and stuff like that. Kind of getting all those ducks in a row so that I can have a summer off. I'm not going to do any shows. I'm just going to relax and I'm going to just be... Uh, a kid again, basically. <laughs> yeah, right. With with your own kids, I imagine, because they'll be having the time off as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but actually, you know, my son's eighteen, and he's leaving to go work at a summer camp all summer. And my daughter's got all these little jobs she's doing. She's fifteen. She'll be sick. Well, no, she'll be fifteen. So they're busy bees, man. They don't uh, play with their dad very much anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As much as I had to say, that probably makes the summer even better. It's like three months of just purely yourself then lying on a um, lying on a stretcher somewhere, I imagine. That's kind of the idea. This is my first summer where my rock band is dormant. Um, I've chosen to do no Casper shows between like June 1st and August 18th. So. Yeah, sure. This is my first summer trying this experiment of uh, <laughs> actually finally giving myself a summer off. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I guess that's kind of always the um, the uh, the conundrum of being a musician, isn't it? Or any sort of artist, I guess, is you're kind of never really willing to not do the next gig. Yeah, gigs I can I can take or leave. I mean, I love doing shows. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, for the Casper Baby Pants thing, the summer shows are kind of problematic. They are um, hot. I get yeah, right. sunscreen in my eyes. There's bouncy houses. There's <laughs> chicken legs. There's clowns. There's, I mean, the parents are really not part of the show when I do a summer show. Yeah, sure. I find that when I do the summer show, I have to play the loudest, dumbest songs. <laughs> Um, and then if I do a show like indoors in the winter where I have the parents' engagement, I can do call and response and I can do subtle stuff and, you know, take the energy up and down. The summer shows are just like high energy the entire time and they get a little a little exhausting. Is that, is that purely because when the parents are kind of off, you know, kind of chatting amongst themselves because finally there's someone else entertaining their kids, is it just a little bit harder to wrangle wrangle them all in? Yeah, it is. Uh, and I don't, I found that to happen at summer shows. I found it to happen at other shows too. And yeah, sure. don't get me wrong. I don't really, I don't really require that the audience do anything. In fact, I'm available to respond to whatever my philosophy about playing live is I just respond to the audience's direction. Like if they are ready to dance, I do the dance thing. If they're sitting still or quiet, like it's an afternoon show at a library, I kind of do the story songs. Yeah. Um, do a mixture and if they're ready to sing i do audience response audience engagement on you know call and response and if they're not i stay away from those so it's kind of great i have this huge repertoire of songs and all these different characters of the songs so i can i can customize and i never have a set list i never know what i'm going to do when i get up there so i just sort of go with the flow i guess after nine albums worth there's probably enough to draw upon yeah there's there's never Uh really a, a spare moment 
<laughs> no. It's frustrating because I don't get to play songs that every, I don't get to play all the songs that the audience wants to hear because sure. inevitably I have a kid coming up to me after like, you didn't play my favorite song. Uh, so, and I say, well, little Jimmy, I have 180 songs. Yeah, so. I played your <laughs> new favorite song, which is yeah, this one. Uh, <laughs> um, just with that, because listening to all your albums and the one thing that there's a, there's a couple of things about your music that really stands out. Is it sort of it has drift? It drifts a little bit away from the traditional, like you're saying, that kind of real traditional actiony thing. I think we get, I think a lot of kids musicians get stuck in this thing, particularly with sort of just that five year old and a bit under. They get really stuck on the must have actions, must have this. There's a there's a kind of an expectation of audience participation where, mm. you know, I want the kids to do lots of jumping or I need the kids to do lots of clapping and I need to do lots of that classic, oh, look, it's behind you. Um, whereas <laughs> your stuff is, it's really story-driven, isn't it? It's a very story-driven music and, and I kind of get the sense with your live shows is it's it's kind of just a sense of chaos. The kids are just jumping about and enjoying the music and having fun. Is that kind of reasonably true? Yeah, that's recently true. Yeah, especially lately, the show in the last year, couple years, the shows have gotten um, higher energy and more physical. But in the early days, uh, they were very mellow, and that was on purpose. Mm. One of my musical children's music heroes is Elizabeth Elizabeth Mitchell. Yep, and her shows are really gentle and mellow, and sure. you know, kind of um, beautiful. And every little soul must shine, shine, shine. I love what she was doing, but I thought, oh, I want to just turn up the energy knob a little bit yeah, more sure. than that. So I started out at that setting, and it's kind of uh, developed. I think um, some of it, too, is I think the crowd I had at that time has grown up, and as they've gotten older, they've gotten a little more rambunctious. Yep, sure. I, I always have new ones coming in, but I have this little core crowd that um, – is sort of growing out of me now. So it'll be interesting to see how this new batch comes in. That's one of the beautiful things I love about this is every five years you can reinvent yourself. <laughs> so at least for me, I, I mean, cause I'm focused on the zero to six. So yeah, yep. every five or six years, they all grow out of me. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or just repackage the old stuff and just resell it to the people that don't know it. Well, um, <laughs> I sell all the records and play songs from all the records at every show. So yeah. Cause, uh, I don't think I'll ever retire a record. Cause yeah, I, yeah. What's the what's the stretch like? You're saying like a lot of your shows around hometown, but I mean, do you, do you try to stretch yourself out across the states, or is that just too big a big an ask? No, it's too big an ask. It's too much. I mean, my uh, tolerance for touring is pretty much burned up by my rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah <laughs> sure. Know, the end of that rope. Although touring with the kids thing, I can imagine would be a lot different. I mean, I'd you know rent a little RV or a van or something, and we'd. My wife would go with me because she does the art for my albums, and yep. we do shows together because she sells her art and books. And yeah, and right. So we have a real partnership going on there. So we could do that, and um, you know, play at ten thirty, and then again at six p.m. and have the whole day to explore wherever we are. And but um, I have kids to raise, and yeah, sure. I've had a long stretch of my life where I haven't seen the seasons change at home. Yeah, right. Okay. This is this is pretty much the first winter into summer. Yeah. Winter, spring, summer that I've witnessed in Seattle in yeah, wow. oh a long time, maybe I don't know ten or twelve years. So, so I was going to ask the presidents are obviously still quite. I mean, I saw that the latest album you know just came out last year. So I mean, that's still quite yeah. a big part of your life, isn't it? 
Yes, although less so uh, currently at the at this very moment. I've kind of uh, we did that record, and yep. then we did a whole bunch of touring, and that record was super high energy. <laughs> yeah, right. I, honestly, I do not know where we got the energy <laughs> for that record. It was crazy. We went in the studio and just sort of started laying stuff down, and it was explosive. It's like we were twenty two again yeah, or something. Sure. Weird. So those shows um, were exciting, but kind of exhausting, and we toured kind of for us a lot on that record so as of last august i kind of said okay time for a break so we're not really doing anything in 2015 we're doing a couple little shows in seattle yeah um but for the most part taking 2015 off and then sort of scratching our heads at the future and wondering what it is it's kind of funny you're saying about the high energy thing because i was listening to uh kudos to you and the thing about your music with the presidents is it was it 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 wasn't that much of a stretch to kind of move those sensibilities into what you do with Casper, and and it's funny listening to the latest album. It feels like it was an opportunity for you to just be really rambunctious and loud and rock out a bit, which you sort of yeah. maybe had not had that chance to do, and that did stand out. Getting back to the live shows. Um, you started off with, I believe, a couple of guys, Ron Hippie and Fred Northup. Is that correct? Yeah. And then you chose not, and then you just decided to go solo. Was there? Is that just easier? Easier to carry stuff around? Easier to turn up in a van and that kind of bit? Yeah, there's a convenience thing. Actually, technically, I, the whole thing has always been a solo project. Um, those guys were hired to play just live shows. They sure. played little bits on the albums here and there. You know, they come over and add some some little frosting bits onto stuff that it was pretty much finished. Um, and some parts, and you know, that were important, of course. Um, but for the most part, I hired them to sort of get my sea legs under me uh, playing live. You yeah, know. Right. It was a little too daunting to go up there solo at the, at the beginning and do it. So that was a great buffer period where I had those guys. And then, yeah, the shows were getting too loud and too complex. And okay. I was also finding that, you know, I like, like I said, I like having no set list and responding to the crowd. Yeah. And a kid yells a song title and I look and see if it's in my book because I, I can't memorize my song. So I have a song book. Yep. Yeah, right. And um, if it is and I haven't played it for a year, I can play it. Yep. Or I can stop on a dime and acknowledge something that's going on in the yeah. audience or get and get back if I'm solo. If I'm with the trio, a lot of subtlety gets lost and there's rehearsal, which is boring. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah of course. Uh, and then I looked at what I was paying those guys because I was splitting the fees with them and I was kind of like, whoa, I yeah. could put my kids through a year of private school with that. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, booking shows is so much easier and all that stuff. So they're, they're still great friends of mine. I mm. see Ron all the time. So, um, uh, but yeah, it just, it's turned out to be a good move and yeah. very liberating for me. I think it's very important too. I think with the, with children, I think it's, it's so interactive for kids, you know, and I don't think it ever occurs to them not to shout out and run on stage and be part of it, you know, and I think to, and I think you spend more energy trying to stop them doing that, you know, rather, you know, that you could just put into the performance and allowing them to be part of that. And and I do think solo is very, it's very true, the stop and starting thing. I think you need to be able to do that. Do yeah, you, do you have... Sorry, go on. I was just, just going to say one more aspect to it is that the songs take on a new character too. Like some songs get more energy live when I play solo because mm. um, I'm, you know, pumping them up with a little more energy. So it's cool because the 
the songs need to be reinterpreted too. So there's a, I, I feel like that's a good reason to come see me live because you're gonna you're gonna hear the song in a slightly new way. Yeah. So you're not just hearing a reproduction of the album. You're hearing this like new interpretation. The lions roar. The lions roar. The panda bears munch. The panda bears munch. The frogs will hop. The frogs will hop. Is that quite important to you to be able to have that flexibility with the songs? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I see the song as a thing that transcends the recording. It's just yep. a living thing that can be stretched and moved and over time can change. So I'm not as much about, you know, with the rock band, it's more let's represent the song as it is as much as possible from yep. the record. Yep. With the solo Casper thing, it's more, okay, now I've got the recording and because the, the recordings function is very specific. It's for the home and for the car, yeah. whole family, for stress release, for everybody to get together and love the same song. And it's got to ride that energy level between kid and adult and you know, keep the parents entertained and yep. make kids engaged. So that's a very specific alchemy that goes into mm. that. And then when I play them live, I'm like, whoo, I'm free from all that. It's just about <laughs> the moment and about now. And so the songs naturally grow and change. Well, I guess that's, again, going back to the difference between adults and children is, is adults want to hear the song and the kids are kind of just as interested in the between bits as well, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it yeah, is yeah. the whole package. You said before that your age group, the aim for is like naught to six. Have you got prior experience? I heard rumours that you used to be a teacher. Is that true? No, I never was a teacher. I, I feel like um, that would I, I, that would be terrifying to be a teacher. Because <laughs> like, you know, playing a gig to like hundreds of children is probably pretty easy, oh, I imagine. <laughs> first thing I would do is is lose control of the of the classroom. You know, like they'd turn on me or something, and it would be horrific. I mean, it depends on what age, of course. But t- very little kids, when you get them all in a group and they're all running and yelling and playing, I get so sleepy. Yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. I would never make it through a day as a as a elementary school teacher. So, just... so where did it come from? How did it all start? I, d- I did see that it sort of was spawned from a um a thing you did for a, a program for early parent support. I think in two thousand and two was that kind of the genesis for it all. Yeah, it kind of was. My uh, my wife at the time was on the board of this organization called PEPS Program for Early Parent Support. It's a great organization. Gets parents together. In neighborhoods, uh, you know, sort of geographically close by, new parents to get together and, uh, you know, talk about all the stuff they're nervous about. There's a group facilitator there who can answer questions. And I kind of witnessed firsthand as my uh, then wife, Mary Lynn, was on the board and we had meetings at our house, how um, kind of uh, essential this stress relief was for parents. Because parents, even the most, like, well-educated person empathetic person can become irrational if they don't sleep and um, (laughs) so when i when it came time to making music i made an album of songs that they that peps uses in their group meetings for little songs and they give it away i donated it to them and it didn't really occur to me that that was my new direction until about i don't know eight years later when i met my second wife kate and i looked at her art yeah. And I, I had been searching the whole time for this voice that was simple and acoustic and more kind of uh, subtle than the yeah. rock band. Yeah. And I saw her art and I just went, you know what, I want to make music that looks like, that sounds oh, like yeah. her art looks. Yeah, looks. And when I did and listened back to it, I went, duh, it's kids' music. It was yeah. sitting there 
time. <laughs> yeah, right. How old, I, I was going to say, how old were your children at the time? Because they would have just sort of moved out of that age bracket by then, I imagine. Yeah, let's see. My daughter would, at, in 2008, when I started writing for Casper um, for the first album, which came out early 2009, she would have been eight years old and my son would have been 12. So, or. 1911 11 so yeah they factored in in a way i mean when they were super little i would just lay them out on a little blanket and get a guitar and just sing how much i would just sing at them about how much i love them and some of those have become now casper songs and some songs they've actually written you know several songs that have become casper songs and we've on that together so yeah that's that's the thing about the artwork i mean I, I, you know going back to your wife it's it, it is very striking artwork and there's i think it's always a really hard thing particularly with anything to do with children it's very hard to i guess get for the and i sincerely apologize for this word but to get that kind of cute look without it being a little bit sappy and and uh um yeah. Not not respectful. And the thing about the artwork and 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 also your music why it blends so well is it's not I don't know why but it still feels really respectful to the child and uh without um being too simplistic. I don't know. It does it it feels yeah, like it's true. very simple and on it and 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 it looks on the outside very simple. And again, this also permeates into your film clips as well. From the outside they all look very simple and very cute. But it's when you actually look at them, you go, oh, like, there's really a lot of depth in all of this stuff. And and I think that's what makes it so striking, particularly for, like, let's be honest, for adults as well. well I really appreciate that. That's mm. nice to hear because that that chemistry, that balance mm. is extremely hard to achieve. But um, I can't – it's hard to achieve not in, not in a way like, oh, I can't do it. But if I really push my craft, I can do it. And so it – so getting there to that balance um, is constantly challenging, but really rewarding. You know, yeah. like I'm I'm really using all my chops as a songwriter to make mm. something that sounds like it took five seconds to yeah. write. You know, <laughs> such a, such a great way of saying it. You know, it's it is. I think it is really hard, but it also says a lot for. Um, you know, you can work and work and work and work and work at something and you can overthink something. You can spend so much time trying to get something exact, exactly right. But then, you know, when you find yourself in the room with the people that get it and understand it and are in the same frame as you, it becomes a little bit too simple, a little bit too easy, you know. And, and I think it comes across in your clips, in your songs and, and in that artwork as well. It's just fun. It's, it's a group of people really genuinely enjoying what they're doing and having fun making this stuff. And it doesn't feel like a chore for the listener or the viewer, no. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a fun process. You know, generally I, I write – I'm writing many, many songs at once. I have a full, a little binder with song fragments and ideas and I'll just go out and get a coffee somewhere and sit in the sun and stare at them. And I, this new, in the last year and a half or two, I've discovered this new thing where if I just take a song and I don't rush to complete it and I just really sit with it and stare at it and think, what is the tension in this song? I've found that even an abstract song can have a little arc of narrative tension. Yeah. And so... I look for that little narrative aspect and really try to see the scene that I'm trying to paint. And then I look at all the words and say, well, are all these words supporting that scene and what isn't? And if it's not, I got to get it out and I got to put something else in. So that's the crafty part that has been really fun. When you check into the Stump Hotel, get a segmented bed and you'll sleep really well. 
They're all vacant at the Stump Hotel. Get a splintery room with a musty old smell. It's weird because with the presidents, our chemistry was innocence, the same innocent core of Casper, but then an added layer of innuendo. Yeah, totally. And, you know, like, wink, wink, is it really a peach or a kitty? Yeah. Um, and what is a lump? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and that chemistry I found exceedingly difficult to reproduce. Like, I sure. couldn't do it. I just literally couldn't do it. It wasn't about my craft. It was just like, that was a time and a place, and now it's gone. Yep. And yet, but, you know, it was successful, so the train kept chugging along, and I held on for dear life. So yeah. it's really nice now to be in a creative, have a creative vocabulary that I understand, that I have command of, and that is um, – really who I am. I think also it's really important, um, particularly in children's music, to set up a very clear, defining um, image of what you do. And I think, you know, after, you know, nine albums and 15 years or however long it's been, and with the artwork, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of it is, I imagine there's a bit of relaxing, there's a lot more relaxing into it now rather than sort of trying to shape something, you know. It's a little bit like, yeah, this is what Casper Baby Pants is and this is what he writes about. Mm-hmm. You know, and it seems... it's, it's funny though. You know what? Uh, that that happened to me at the very beginning. Yeah, I okay. really because I had done that Peps record and I'd seen how the music works in the world and what the purpose was. Yep. Like I, I knew who I was making it for from the very beginning. I was making it for those stressed out parents. Yeah. I always imagined like a family stuck in a traffic jam yeah, in the sure. summer at a state park, and they're out of food, and they all have to pee, and they're all yeah. mad, and they're all yeah. hungry, and. <laughs> You yeah, should be able sure. to put it in my album and have it at least <laughs> yep. distract everybody. And not from need to pee. The, yeah, not, yeah <laughs> exactly. right, not need to pee. So um, my purpose, the, the purpose of the whole thing has been super crystal clear from the very beginning. And yeah. knowing that purpose has been really relaxing. That, then it's just enjoying the vocabulary, the palette that I've kind of set out for myself. And yeah. uh, it's it's a dream, man. I, my whole life I've thought someday I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tap into something that is so clear that I'm going to make a, a big body of work. Yeah. And I even imagine that all the album covers would look the same, yeah. except, you know, same font and everything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm finally doing it. <laughs> it's yeah. really, oh, it's really a, nice. It's a very, it's a very distinct body of work. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's a pleasure about it is I kind of had to keep going back and counting how many albums there were. Cause I just forget because it all just was one big thing, you know, it, yeah. just, it was just a big collection of songs that at one point they just stopped and came under a different piece of artwork, you know, and it's sort of, yeah. which, and I mean that as a total compliment, it was, you oh, know, yeah. there's, it, there, there, nothing's fighting for each other with the music. Um, it's you, it's obviously you at home, isn't it? I mean, you, you're the producer and you're doing it all yourself and you're playing all the instruments. Yep. I'm playing everything. Well, I have occasional guests come in. You yep. know, I've had uh, Stone from Stone Gossip from Pearl Jam. I've had Steve Turner from Mud Honey. I've had Weird Al Yankovic. Um, okay. <laughs> I've had uh, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana. I'm trying to collect all my grungies, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm working on, for the next album, I'm working on Eddie Vedder yep. and uh, Sir Mix a Lot. Yeah. And this really great singer songwriter named Kate Micucci. Yep. She's in a band called uh, Garfunkel and Oates. So those are my three uh, hopefuls for the – that'll be September 2016. So I'm, I'm already working on that album. <laughs> I was going to say you are extraordinarily prolific. I mean it's quite amazing how – and at, at the quality that they're at. I mean is it – I mean are you just constantly on the go? Are you someone who's just – or are you 
you're one of those cliches with the pen and pad in your hand and you're walking down the street to buy milk and you stop and write down a thing about an ant or something. I mean, is that going on constantly in your head? Yes, constantly. (laughs) Yeah, all the time. I mean, I've always got my ear open for somebody saying something funny or um, yeah. kids will email me songs through my website. Yeah, okay, great. Song ideas, and I collaborate with kids a lot. Uh, my wife is an amazing, like, free form. She's not a – she is unafraid to say even the most ridiculous little statement and Excellent. make up a song. Or I can say something so super stupid, and then she'll just pick it up and run. Yep. So we've written some of the best songs, like yep. My Flea Has Dogs and yep. – um, Oh, too dirty to love, and yep. uh, is that her bunch... singing? Is that your wife singing on too dirty? To no, love? no, that's uh, Rachel Flotard. Yep. She's a great singer from a band called Bisqueen. That, or she was anyway. They've yep. broken up now, but she's a friend of mine. No, but Kate's more of Kate's more behind the scenes. She's more. She's she's like my Ringo. You know, like yeah. legend has it that Ringo's the one that said it's been a hard day's night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wait, wait, good song. Yeah. He's like tomorrow, never eight knows. days a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, eight days a week. He said all those malaprop. Yeah that became song it's all Kate. Yeah. So maybe I should Kate, talk to her. Is she there? <laughs> she is not, unfortunately. She she works at the farmer's market here in Seattle selling her oh, art. Uh, so she's doing that. How's her art going? Is it, is, is it getting really good traction? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, uh, she's always striving for more and more and more. And mm. she's uh, she's got her thing too. You know, it's like we both have this very clear vision, clear vocabulary. And um so she's she's doing great. She's hoping to do more uh, licensing of her art. Um, yep. So she's looking for more partnerships with okay, bigger uh, companies and stuff like that. But she's chugging away doing shows and and working at the Pike Place Market, and that's turning out to be great. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. So with your music, let's. I just want to touch briefly on the actual things you write about. Because again, one one thing, and I sort of keep harping. I mean, uh, back to that traditional children's thing well, I'd use traditional pretty loosely but I mean obviously it's still you know it's all about actions and it's and it's often quite egocentric it's about hey let's us go and do this and you know imagine if you had this and things like this whereas your stuff is very it's incredibly character driven I mean it's just mm-hmm. it's just every song seems to paint these really uh, clear stories again is this something that just is part of you or is this something you're quite conscious of doing uh i find that i've discovered that painting a picture telling a story getting a little narrative tension is essential um and it took me a long time and i wrote a lot of very you know boring songs yeah. <laughs> to get there um I found I just found that uh, I think I came upon this when I was in the presidents and I was like say the song Lump. Lump yeah. is everyone says once what's Lump about? Well, just listen to the lyrics. Uh, the the picture is there. Uh, the picture yeah, doesn't sure. really make any sense. Uh, you know, it's not a it's not a typical picture. It's not like I love you, you love me. But it's a woman in a housecoat sitting in a river. Uh, you know, a big sort of mentally challenged woman in a river sitting, uh, and you know, I don't know why, but yep. that—that's what that's I saw. What is, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and what so it's I just about. described. And so I just find that you know the—that's one of my litmus tests for lyrics. As I sit and stare at them at the coffee shop, is you know, do I see? Is somebody going to see what I see when they listen to these lyrics? Yeah. And it's funny too because you can't. Once I finish staring at the lyrics on the page, I find that when I sing them. That's a whole other layer. Like yeah. a word might work on the page, but then I sing it and it doesn't work. It doesn't, you know, um, uh, it'll get lost on a small brain. 
uh, or a developing mind, I should yeah, say. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's well, pretty small, well, Brian, as well. <laughs> so anyway, it's yeah, it's just constantly tweaking to keep the song communicating something. Like I think of uh, there's for me there's this factor in music I call the generosity factor. Like yep. is the song giving you a story, a picture, a melody you can take away once you've stopped listening? Hopefully, all three. Yeah, sure. With going back when you talk it, sorry, mate, go on. Oh, that's I was just gonna say that's just the goal is yeah. to make songs, um, make the songs more like a conveyance for a an image or a joke or a picture or yeah. an idea that then people have when they don't have a song. The escalator works to take us all from here to there, but when it breaks, it still can work. It just becomes some stairs. Yes, it does. Just going back to what you're talking about with the, you know the little minds or the developing mind and trying to give them things they understand. There's also uh, this there's metaphorical, not metaphorical, but there's this kind of quite ethereal lyrics in a lot of your stuff, which I wonder how much goes over a child's head. There's a great example from um, the Night Night album, Take It Easy, where you say, going to bone my fiddle in the forest so the deers can feel real good. Yeah, it's a really beautiful line, and and it, and it never struck me as like I mean it never again with all your uh, all the Casper Baby Pants music it never I never really at any stage kind of went you know what what's going on there that doesn't make any sense it just seems to feel right but then that line just stood out to me and the reason it did is um there's a really famous uh, Australian or New Zealand author called Pamela Allen and in an interview once she said you know she intentionally puts words into books that the child will not understand because it will make them ask what it means. Yeah, absolutely. And is that, I mean, is, is that, again, is that something that you're, you, when you're saying you, you get to that decision, you go, is this something a child is going to understand or is this too much? Do you often just find yourself going, no, nah, I'm just leaving it, that's how it is? Or Yeah, sometimes I do, especially when it comes to death and dying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, in my, some of the music I do definitely draws upon old folk and blues and uh, work song and slave yeah. chant traditions, yep. and they're not shy about um, mortality in those songs. And um, you know, then there's the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, which are very morbid. So leaving a little bit of death elements in there is where I'm. Ki- I, that's the point where I'm always staring at that. Like, do I need to have that in there? Do I not? Is it okay? Gonna bow my fiddle in the forest so the deers can feel real good. Oh, I was just going to say, do you have any topics that are a no-go? Uh, well, I do. They're not complex. I don't do educa- overt education. Yep. Like, here's how to brush yep. your teeth across sure. the street or any of that stuff. Um, I figure that's what school is for and yep. music is for being fantastical. Um, I will sneak a little counting in, like, you know, all you pretty babies jumping up on the one, jumping yeah, up on the sure. two, three, four, five. It's part of the song, though. Yeah. It's not, yeah. So I, don't, I avoid that. I avoid... Um, uh, I avoid singing about myself as if I'm a child. That's the other one. Like okay. I, I won't write a song where like, I love my mommy, I love my daddy, yep. I'm wearing a diaper. Um, <laughs> yep. I sort of find that a little, I don't know, I don't want to go too deep into it because a lot of my friends <laughs> do sing from that perspective. But uh, I find it a little creepy. <laughs> Gonna play my piano in the water so the fishes can dance with me. Oh, some say it's easy, so take it easy for me. Gonna play my piano in the water so the fishes can dance with me. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's just me. That's just me. There's a lot of songs everybody loves that are from that perspective. So yeah. those are a couple things I just decided I'm not going to do. So, but um, thematically, I do I do let the stuff get a little melancholy or maudlin or or longing. Like I love the um, I love anthropomorphizing things, and I love the things can be found once the, after they're lost or they're yeah. lonely or they're yeah. cut off from from. They're cut off and they need to be reconnected. That's one of my favorite, like, okay, uh, sure. tensions. And there is a lot of, in, of that in your music, even with the things that are – because you, you have um, a, a, what I think is an awesome obsession with small animals. Uh, I mean, there's <laughs> just so many ants and bugs and things. But they are – you know, there's a lot of about ants just – or animals trying to find what sort of animal they are and what they're meant to be doing and asking their friends. And, you know, there's a lot of that kind of sensibility going through all of your stuff. There's one particular song, Hobo Baby. Yes, that's my wife's favourite song. Oh, just – that song <laughs> is just – yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, – I mean, and I think that's definitely got what you're talking about, that whole sense of, you know, there is – there's an air of <laughs> – De- not death so much, but there is an air of um, d- his darkness. There is darkness in yeah. that song, you know, and yeah, there's, a, there's 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 joy what, and it embraces that darkness. But it's definitely what's there. that baby? What's that baby doing out there all by itself? Yeah. You know, that's that's. I have another song about a baby who you know because I was I heard a comedian once say that you know his son was always trying to try the doorknob to get out, and he's like, "Where are you going? What are you doing? You only know us. You know, what's your yeah. plan?" <laughs> and it sparked a song called Wandering Baby that's going to be on a future album. And it's about that, like, you know, where, you know what's your plan? You're always running away. Yeah. Well, what's the deal? Yeah. But Hobo Baby, uh, that's a good one. I, I based that on an old song that I learned about through a performer named Professor Banjo here in Seattle. Um, yep. And it's a song called Little Susie, I think it is. Yep. Get along, Little Susie. So I just changed the lyrics, and the original idea was I did a little research into hobos, and hobos have their own code of um, sure. communication. Uh, they're actually not they're not bums, they're not homeless. They are itinerant workers who yep. do the lowest uh, bottom of the barrel jobs sure. that nobody else wants to do. And I, I've, the original version of the song incorporated all their lingo into it, you know. Um, but I just found when I listened to it, like. You'd have to research the lingo to know what yeah, I'm talking sure, about. Of course. I ended up yep. taking all the lingo out. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was an example of like, oh, this is so clever and great, but yeah. the, family, the family in the car is not, it's not going to resonate with them because they don't know what all that stuff means. So, so I had to take it all out and, and gut it and rewrite it as a more innocent version. I saw Hobo Baby leaving on a trip, diaper for a suitcase sticking out his lip. Baby eats a berry, baby eats a plum. When that baby has nothing to eat, that baby sucks its thumb. Get along home, hobo baby, get along home, home, home. Is it you? Is it you on banjo? Uh, yeah, that's me on banjo, kind of faking it. I'm a fake. I, I, if I wanted to sound like banjo, I have to play two banjos with different yeah, yeah, exactly. together. <laughs> that's the beauty of home recording, huh? When you can, exactly. you can either you can either wait around for a couple of weeks for someone who's really good to come and do it for you, and then pay them, or you can just do it right now and do it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I know, I know, I know. Yeah, with the, with... I do have I do have a song on the not the next record, which is an all Beatles cover album, second all Beatles cover album, mm. but. On a future record, I did give. Do you know the Okie Dokie Brothers? Have you heard of them? Uh, oh, I've heard of the name. I'm not too familiar. No. 
pretty great. They're pretty great. They're um, a duo, and and their products, their music, and their DVDs are amazing. Um, anyway, I gave a song to one of them to actually play banjo on. So sure. yeah, because it really is the real. Thing. What's the, what's the music scene over there like? I mean, we we obviously we. I mean, I have to be totally honest with you, mate. You're you're one of the the biggest sort of permeated into our our kids' music culture, but we don't know a great deal about the American scene. Is it is it pretty thriving? Uh, as far as kids' music yeah, goes? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, very thriving. I mean, I can really speak to Seattle because that's what mm. I know because that's where I live. But, oh, my goodness. I mean, we have a just excellent um, group of people, very supportive. We all post on each other's stuff about yeah, what sure. Just the other day I promoted a Recess Monkey uh, video that they needed help with. Yep. You know, we share resources, um, all this stuff with like managing yourself, like sound exchange and ASCAP money and publishing yep. and, yeah, and sure. all these questions. We all share knowledge and resources. Um, we did, we do a series every year at this community center in Seattle that's really beautiful, big old building. And um, so we do a, a uh, we have an organization called Kindependent. And okay, so it's a Kindependent series. So there's six or seven bands in the Kindependent family, and then there's just you know dozens of others. Um, we just happen to all kind of click, and so we formed this thing. And then over the years, the Kindependent thing has gotten a little less um, active. At first, we were putting on shows sure. and recording songs, and and one day at a meeting, I was like, "Could we have less meetings?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could we do more emailing and yeah, less actually uh, doing this? Yeah, right. But, you know, I'd, I could be home in the studio right now. So Yeah, exactly. Because right, as we're in this meeting, I'm still writing songs in my head. Yeah. So I need to go. Um, but I it's, guess- it's, a, it's a really healthy scene. And um, uh, just, you know, th- what's great about it is the families here in Seattle have this expectation now that there's just going to be this high quality, amazing yeah, sure. music. And so it's almost like, you know, when the presidents came up post grunge, you could play on a Tuesday and the place would be full. Yep. It's kind of the same. You can, you know, get a community center to charge two bucks a head and yeah, right. all show up because, you know, they're excited to see you. So. How long how long are your shows running for? Because obviously with children nought to six, there's, there's, you know, after 45 minutes, they're kind of, you know, they need yeah. to eat and go home. Well, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 40 to 45 minutes is my is my perfect time I, i'm finding 40 is a little better actually because people are people are a little fresher after 40 sure, sure. Um, but poor poor parents have to sit on cross-legged on the carpeting yeah. you know so i, yeah, I exactly. need to market a parent uh donut that you know inflatable yeah butt donut. right yeah, I'll edit that bit out, mate, because I think you just gave a thousand people around the world a good idea. So um, I'll just I'll just <laughs> chop that bit out and, and, and put it aside. Yeah, cut all this out. We'll cut all this out. <laughs> um, now I won't I won't keep you much longer, mate. Because I know you're. I know it's time to go grab the kids. But um, I just want to quickly touch base on the recording stuff at home. Yeah. Um, I, I, it struck me after many many listens and then finally sifting through all the albums. There's just no drums. Exactly. <laughs> and it was really, and it was kind of really, and it wasn't until I'd sort of listened to everything that I kind of went, I should just touch base where, where you're at with the president. So I went and listened to Kudos to You. And, yeah, and it launched, it just like threw itself out of the speakers, out of my headphones. And I just went, what's the, <laughs> my God, what's going on? And then I just went, oh, there's drums. And then exactly. I went back and listened to the, the, Casper stuff and just now what's amazing about it because then I listened to the president stuff with a much different ear and um 
just the percussive nature in which you play and how you present those songs it's just it just never occurred to me that there was no drums there and then I just kind of went is this just because your home studio is like a lot of people the size of a cupboard or is it just purely because you don't play drums well it's purely because I don't want drums on the recordings okay so uh, it was a choice oh absolutely okay Uh, drums have always been a, a full drum kit has always been a problematic uh part of the part of a collaboration sure. experience for me yep. I, I just feel like they eat up so much space you know so sure. much uh of the spectrum i feel like with the music i'm trying to make every sound needs to be in its place because that's what's going to keep the parents coming back is like really artistically constructed little moments that happen in the yep. song and um i just feel like drums are yeah they're like sonic spectrum devourers and um okay there's a couple songs where I might, you know, sort of maybe fashion a little what could be construed as a drum kit, like a stomp and a and a click, or shape. You know, there's stuff. There's, there's some. Ele- but, yeah, I did hear some. Ele- uh, there's some electric, little, uh, little little digital kits machine. in the drum machine stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, little, but the drum machines are from weird old keyboards, and they're not trying to sound like an actual drum set. Yeah, skeleton. At all. I think skeleton. Yeah, an example. Skeleton. That's, yep. that's an old Casio keyboard yep, yep. i actually wrote that song in a music store on a keyboard that i didn't buy <laughs> but i i had a i had a hand i had my phone with me and i recorded myself playing the chord progression i love to go into music stores and use their weird keyboards to write ideas yeah. and then bring them home but yeah no drums and no loud no wall of guitar that's like the big scrape away that i you know sure. that like the president's to Casper is like taking away the innuendo and yep. the drum and the guitar. Yeah. No offense, Jason and Andrew. I love you. <laughs> I love you guys. But, but I'll never play got, with my children. I got other I got other pictures to paint. You know well, that's I mean? really it really gives it I mean that's again about uh, the 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 producing your own stuff. You can always hear people who who are producing their own thing because they're such a distinct style it doesn't necessarily mean it's a revolutionary sound or anything but it's such a unique sound because everyone you know like i mean even you know you probably learned where to place microphones when you were 18 19 20 and you've just kind of stuck with it and you've got an old trusty mic you like and it's just sort of how it is and so everything just sounds the same but again all of that just comes into that whole sound that you achieve and that thing with the artwork and with the clips and with the music. I mean, it's just yeah. such a, it's very characteristic, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty, yeah. even yeah, things I, like. I, I, I literally picked my palette from the first album and I have not changed it. I have the yeah. same bass, the same guitar, same little keyboards, same mm. mic. Everything's the same because my thinking was if you go on iTunes or on my website and you want to buy a bunch of different songs, mm. I want, people to be able to put them together into a group or on a cd for the car or whatever and it sounds like an album yeah so i didn't want it to be like oh one album's really compressed and has drums and the other album just acoustic guitar i mean each song has you know different um instrumentation but i wanted it to all sound like it was coming from the same planet here comes tommy the bear here comes tommy the bear It really does. It's, I think that you've, that's definitely been been achieved. Um, saying that, with the with keeping it all similar, uh, is night night. I mean, obviously coming after. Um, oh, rise and shine. Yeah, rise and shine. Are we talking? Are we? Are these concepts, or are these just you had a bunch of collective nice songs about going to sleep or nighttime? 
Oh, the Night Night album? Yeah. Well, actually, the Night Night album came up because, or it happened because I, as I wrote so- songs for all these albums, like they're all in different stages of yep. construction, I would end up with too many mellow songs contending for each album. So, yep. okay, I want the last, you know, three or four to kind of taper down because the whole idea with the albums is they start high energy and go down to sleepy. So that's another effect that is helping that stressed out family relax. Sure. Um, then that's very conscious. So as I did them, I did the albums. I ended up with maybe two or three that just couldn't find a place. And pretty soon I looked at that folder full of, uh, the cast offs and went, Hey, there's an album there. Yeah, sure. I, I, I could make a thematic, and I really don't do thematic albums except I did the Beatles cover album and this night night album. These are the only real, like, well, and even that, I guess they're thematic. I don't know. But yeah. I, you know, I don't do albums about the uh, space or you know. Yeah, sure. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's really just they were left over, and then when I put them all in one batch and started massaging them into an album, they needed a lot of work to feel like an album. They were very kind of disparate and all over the place. So sure. it was a fun project to kind of take all that stuff and really massage it. Like at one point, I realized my vocals were all a little too loud. I listened to it as I drove around with an actual child in the car. Yep. I realized yeah, sure, that okay. vocals were just a little too loud so that the content of the song was a little too engaging yep. for you to fall asleep to. Yep. Uh, yep. So I I went back and remixed all the songs to lower the vocals. <laughs> yeah, okay. Do you put that much thought into – I mean, obviously you put a lot of thought into the stuff you produce, but do you go to such great lengths with all the, all the content? Do you go and farm oh, yeah. around to kids and parents and get feedback? I've, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have uh, luckily on the cul-de-sac I live on now, there's two families with little kids and I right. give them early mixes and get feedback. Um, I have a couple of other trusted buddies who are in radio and in music that I give the, that have been with me the whole time and yep. I give them to. In the early days, for the first three albums, I had 35 test families and I gave each family 40 tracks that was going to eventually become the 20 that were on the album. Yep. It was a huge endeavor, and I, I you know, cross-referenced all that feedback and, and uh, got the uh, – that's kind of how I got my, my feet under me as far as – and then I figured, you know what, after three times doing that with 35 test families, I think I know what I'm doing yeah, now. Yeah, so, sure. No, fair enough. So you, I, I – yeah, I stopped doing it. <laughs> are, you, are you that prolific with the presidents or not? Oh, no, no way. I mean, uh, I am not compelled at all to write – uh, songs for that band at all sure now, <laughs> i mean because hence because having I, a summer break <laughs> no because i really have identified i mean the, that album we did kudos yeah. to you that was fun and but you know what i'm doing with that is i'm going back through you know years and years of scraps and songs that never yeah, made it sure. and, and doing that thing where i look at them and think oh what is the goal here what's the point but with an eye with the presidents with an eye more towards where's the tension between innocence and innuendo and how mm. do i make it last? yeah sure that kind of stuff, but really, I'm just that was fun that album, but mm, I'm not compelled to. Um, that's not my actual voice. My actual voice is not a screaming guy in a rock band. Yeah. You know, I never really wanted to be in a rock band. I started out. The president started out as a dorky little duo, yeah. and then Jason begged to be in it, and then pretty soon we were a dorky trio, and then yeah. pretty soon we were standing in front of yeah. you know five, ten, fifty thousand people, and we couldn't be a dorky trio. We yeah, had to be sure. a actual yeah. band. And then that actual band became a fourth member in a way, and we had to serve it and feed it. Yeah, and so sure. we got way, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Casper Baby Pants was more what the presidents were at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, but really you've held was. on to, but you've obviously held on to that and, and been a bit yeah, more control yeah. over it. 
it just took me years and years to figure out because you know when I had a great experience of being successful and validated yep. for my craft and all that, but um, I sort of lost track that that wasn't really, really, really my voice. I mean, yeah. it was very close, very close, and I'm very, very proud of what we achieved, but it just wasn't 100% me. Well, I guess creating anything in any aspect is kind of that's the thing, isn't it? As long as you're honest to yourself and you're making the thing that you feel is honestly you, and as soon as you stop, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy it, but it, it does lose a certain zing, so to speak, you know? Yeah, it's a little bit. from it's your kind of, heart. Yeah, the presidents are a beautiful thing, and I'm so glad we, you know, had our first four years, had five years off, and then had a, we've had like 11 years now in our second act, and uh, very, very proud of it. But it's feeling like I'm putting on an old suit that doesn't fit. You sure, know, it's like sure. I'm, I'm going to be 50 in May, and uh, the songs I wrote when I was in my late 20s were are awesome. But I think I'm uh, that's good. Yeah, I'm call that a win and be like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely. The older I get, I find there's less and less suits that fit me. Um, <laughs> just. Um, uh, just very quickly at the very end here, um, this is less a question and more just a sincere thank you for um, stomping the bear. Um, uh, only because my three-year-old isn't able to be here to uh, thank you herself, but um, she's—I don't know—I don't know what she says in 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 space of stomping the bear. She says something that has an S in there, but um, but it, it's, it's, it's suggesting to me that she's trying to at least say the line, despite how many times we've pointed out that it's stomping the bear. She's she's decided something else, but it's a great great track. Um, Chris, uh, thank you so much for, for chatting. I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat to us. And look, if if the plan is there in the next uh, year, then we would uh, deeply love to see you back in Australia. I think there's a, there's a growing fan base down here and it'd be wonderful to get you back down here. And of course, if there's anything I can do to encourage that, um, then by all means, let us know. But thank you so much for the chat today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And, and I, I would love to come back down there. You know, I did come play the Sydney Festival two mm. years ago. Um, I flew all the way down there for two 45-minute shows and went all the way back. <laughs> it was, it well, was quite an adventure. And But, but that's uh, how much I love Australia. Mm. I did that because I love it's Australia. So, yeah, if the, I would love it if the Sydney Festival asked me back. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah you know, I found historically the trick for me is yeah, I'm just a guy with a guitar. Yeah. What I've done is like, you know, the kids stage at a big music festival for adults, and yeah. that's not good. Because like, that's, oh, really? Okay. That's like some, you know, heavy metal band playing way too loud during your set sure. two stages away, and, yeah. you know, you're on a super high stage with pro yeah. lights and all that yeah. i never play on a st- i mean i rarely play up on a stage yeah. i always put down in the kids because yeah. the other problem i've had with festivals like that is that the kids that do accompany their parents to those festivals are older because you know they're easier to take you know i'm, yeah. I'm talking like you know Lollapalooza and all that kind yeah, of stuff sure of course of course um all right, Chris. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and it's and it's a really it's a it's a very generous thing for you to do to take your time out. Um, all the best, and we wait patiently for the next Beatles album. The first one was truly a corker. So, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, wait for the the next one's great. I do both halves of Sergeant Pepper's. I do Strawberry Fields. Yeah. I do Hey, like a gospel version of Hey Jude. Um, I do the end. But instead of electric guitar solos, it's a little. It's like a lullaby on a electric piano. Yeah, right. Wait, there's some, <laughs> there's some 
I had a blast making this thing. Yeah. One day I woke up and started, uh, got fascinated with figuring out Strawberry Fields on guitar, and then pretty soon I was in the studio recording it, (laughs) and I like worked really hard for like six hours recording it, and I finished, and I listened to it, and I went, "Why did I do that?" Yeah, (laughs) odds. I was like, "Oh, I must be making volume two. Yeah. Well, just um, if you do need a reason as to why you're making it, it's for me. Just so, if if for nothing, it's just for me. I heard when I saw the album and saw "Cry Baby Cry" on it, it was just uh, you know that kind of just broke my heart it's such a beautiful song and to have it acknowledged as a kid song you know just quickly on that album too because really must let you go but one thing that really struck me about the watching listening to the Beatles stuff is again once it was put into that framework and in that kind of style I was amazed how well it sat there and it did remind me of your of your music as well going back to that lyrical content you hear the lyrical content and you're always like oh that sounds quite deep for a child but in that context, it really works and seems completely fine. And I was really struck that the Beatles worked the same way, that you take these very overtly adult songs. Like, yeah. again, Cry Baby Cry is quite dark, you know, and then you put it yeah. in this, you put it with that instrumentation, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a perfect children's song. It's beautiful. Oh, I know. It's, it's great. Uh, I kind of, the seed of all that covering the Beatles thing was covering a Nirvana song for my third record mm. called uh, Sliver. You know, it's like, Grandma, take me home. And that was where I realized, oh, this is a big, fat rock song, but you take away all that fat, all that noise drums. and drums and stuff. <laughs> and it's this dear little song, you know, this little cry for help from yeah. a little child. And I was like, oh, look at the transformative, transformative power of editing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And so that was my whole idea with the Beatles thing. Let's, I'm going to learn the song and I'm going to record it. This is what I do with most of my yeah. songs is record everything, all the ideas, yeah. all the parts. And then I have a mute party and I just start taking things away and taking, you know. And so that was the fun thing with that was to take things away to the point where you sort of expose the the skeletal structure of the song a little bit and so that you can see it in a new way. Cry, baby, cry. Make your mother sigh. She's old enough to know better. So cry, baby, cry. But I did avoid, I actually purposely with both Beatles albums, I avoided songs that were overtly about romantic love, you know, like, girl, I'm going to do this to you and I'm going to do that to you. Uh, But I did pick songs that were about sort of universal love, like Anytime at All and um, there's a few others, uh, Love Me Do, you know, it's kind of innocent little like uh you know sort of universal love yeah. like unconditional love songs yeah you know? of course it yeah is. but you know the beatles are the definitely the source of my idea of writing from images in my yeah. mind because that's what i got as a little kid listening to that music was these i was like off on a journey you know like uh, on this incredible psychedelic uh trip yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a two and a half year old when i got sergeant peppers when it came out um so these albums are kind of my way of acknowledging that influence and giving back to that that uh, that uh, legacy yeah. of painting with words. Well, you can definitely tell that you've drawn, well, you've been inspired by, because as I said, moving that into your musical sensibility seemed incredibly effortless. It just seemed like a, a perfect fit. I was quite shocked because there's lots of people that do Beatle covers obviously there's a lot of stuff out there I haven't heard there's a few people doing children's um, versions of them but yours just a really yeah. I was surprised how comfortably those songs fit into your particular style it was really yeah it was quite refreshing yeah it was really lovely yeah thanks the the fun challenge was to make them my own to really yeah. feel like uh 
I, I not only learned the chords and the words, but I researched deeply the them and yeah. their experience, okay. and I read all these books. And I, each song that I covered, I got into, I listened to all the demos for it. In fact, um, uh, I'm Only Sleeping is based off of a like 45-second joke little half demo they did yeah, of the sure, song Guitar sure. and Vibes. Yep. So anyway, I, I got into, what I wanted to understand was what were they looking at when they wrote them? Yep. You know, what, what were they thinking? What were they doing? And I wanted to kind of start way back from the seed of the song and then set off making my own version. Instead yeah. of just mimicking, I wanted to kind of get inside. And so that was a really fun process. And uh, boy, their experience. Whew, you, I mean, you could not pay me all the money in the world to be in the Beatles. Holy wow which like, is ironic because they got paid all the money in the world to be in the beatles i know <laughs> i know when i was a little kid i wanted nothing more than to be in the beatles and now that i understand what it was really like i'm like oh my god that sounded really hard was it did you get to speak to any of them i have not yeah. i've come so close to paul mccartney i mean you know i'm friends with chris novoselic from nirvana yeah. and he and dave have been playing yeah, with paul in fact course, i just saw yeah. this I had a really, really interesting conversation with him about what it was like to play with Paul, yeah. what he was like, and uh, that was really super interesting. That guy, Paul McCartney, has a wine cellar in his car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were having dinner at a restaurant after a show here in Seattle, and wow. uh, they ran out of wine, and Chris was like, oh, we'll just order some more. He's like, Paul's like, no, mate. I'm, you know, yeah. I, uh, I'm doing Australian accents. It's all the same. Sounds great. <laughs> like, no, just go in my car. You know, like he sends his driver out and he comes back with like a, you know, a bottle that Napoleon probably had. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Anyway, stuff like that. But uh, so I'm, I've come very, almost close. less than a degree. That is uh, definitely but, closer than most people. That's that's yeah, that, and I've, that's impressive know, enough. I've I've sent the first cover album to him through his guitar player, who um, I know through somebody else. So anyway. I, I gave it my sh I gave it a shot yeah. to see if I could get on his radar but well yeah. he's he's he you know I think I think it's a great it's great it's a, you've done it it's a really beautiful job and again as I said I was really really quite blown away by how 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 effortlessly it's it's slipped into your style um Chris I just can't thank you enough. So thank you so much yeah, for, for joining me and having a chat. All right, man. Hey, listen, uh, I want to thank you too for taking the time. That's a lot of time. And you're a great interviewer, um, very <laughs> insightful, good energy, good questions. Uh, that was a breeze, man. And believe me, I'm not a huge fan of talking about myself for an hour, but um, that was really fun. So right. thank you. Well, that works well because we're huge fans of listening to you talk about yourself <laughs> for an hour. So it worked perfect for us. All right, Chris, you All take right. care. Thank you again. All right, Benny, take care. If you'd like to know more about Chris or Casper Baby Pants, just visit the website at babypantsmusic.com. For more parent time goodness, visit www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me asking people questions. <laughs>